Welcome to the Skyward Spiral, a self-improvement and productivity podcast. I'm David Whitechapel. I'm a fiction writer and content creator, and I'm working on being more productive and efficient with my time and energy. I really enjoy learning about self-improvement and productivity, and always aim to apply the best lessons I learn to my own work and practice. And I'm Brent Harris. I'm a productivity coach, and what I do is I show people how to attain and maintain high-level sustainable productivity. This is something I do uh, in work with my clients and also on uh, different forums such as this one and my YouTube channel. So, so what are we talking about today, Brent? Yes, indeed. So this episode, I wanted to go by the title of The Story of You. And so reason being, so just a little context for uh, the conversation here. The story of me? Uh, no, uh, no, like literally why owe you the story of you, not yet. <laughs> I want to talk about the story of David Whitechapel. <laughs> yeah, I'm kidding. The story of you, the listener, the story of everyone. <laughs> right, because what was, what's been happening recently, I've just noticed that over the course of my life, I'm moving in two distinct directions at any one time. And so one direction is I'm moving towards, say, achievement, accomplishment, success, you know, having the strategy, having the plan, getting her done, really pushing and going as hard as I can. And then what will often happen is I'll hit a certain, a certain crest with that kind of motion where it's like, okay, like I'm kind of, I'm starting to run out of energy. I'm starting to get on a burnout course. Things are not starting to work so well. Uh, the enjoyment's gone, like the flow doesn't feel like it's there anymore. And then what happens in a moment like that one is that I will do a turn and I'll start moving back towards spirituality. And so when I say that, what I'm referring to is not necessarily like the spirituality of like, say, mysticism, like say, I don't know, astrology or whatever, but, but just the spirituality of coming home in the sense of finding center and finding fulfillment and kind of returning to this place of okay like I'm well and all is well and all is quiet and I'm okay and just kind of this a sort of a homecoming movement and so I'm laying this out because I don't think it's just me that does this I think it's actually a lot of people that do this and so and then usually there's a lot of people who are predisposed to one direction or the other so you get people who are just really predisposed towards achievement and accomplishment. And so those people kind of move back and forth between like, say, you know, being on a, on a, like a hot streak and then burnout. And then there's other people who are oriented just towards say spirituality. And then, you know, typically it's like a lot of like, um, either like a lot of spiritual insight or, you know, stagnation. And, and I guess one message that I want to convey in this lesson is that it's important to recognize when either direction is going and to move with it and to allow that direction to happen. In other words, to allow that momentum to happen. So what direction are you talking about there? So presently, I've been on a very intense spiritual homecoming. And so what's been good about that is that I've realized that I have been overly attached to my own story. 
So for me, in my case, you know, I get back into uh, my spiritual home bases, uh, Eckhart Tolle and The Power of Now. And so what I do is like I read The Power of Now and I also just, he has like tons and tons of material on YouTube. And so just diving into it and just basking in it. And, and for anybody who's listening who doesn't know any, about Eckhart Tolle or The Power of Now, it's just, um, he's a dude who just came into a very sudden, very intense spiritual enlightenment where he just kind of woke up and he was no longer, he no longer was held down or attached to an idea of himself. And he was able to just exist free of his mind. Like the mind was still there, but no longer sort of uh, trapped or hypnotized, no longer run by his own mind. And he, he just experienced like, you know, great bliss and enlightenment. And he's been just teaching about it ever since. And so he put out this book, The Power of Now, which is just one of the most celebrated books on spiritual enlightenment, which is the, which is the process of stepping outside of your mind, stepping outside of your own personal story and stepping deeply into bringing your awareness and attention deeply into the present moment, which is what I want to get into now. Okay, interesting. Uh, can I take a moment just to f try and frame this for our general audience of listeners who may be different levels of spirituality, different levels yes. of um, engagement with this kind of thing? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, so the way I think about uh, spirituality and, and religion um, and such is that I think that's an important dimension to anyone's life, but it doesn't necessarily have to be filled by what we would think of as typically religious or spiritual. Mm -hmm. um, in this case, uh, Eckhart Tolle's book, uh, I don't believe is tied to a particular religion, for example, though it is certainly spiritual. Um, but it can also be filled by philosophy, you know, some, uh, and that can be to different levels of, of uh, like a really well-studied, thoroughly researched philosophy or a more simple lifestyle philosophy. Mm -hmm. And there's always, uh, it's always good to have a sort of philosophical or mindset refuge uh, to go back to, uh, to frame uh, your world. So to listeners who are spiritual, you'll, also, you'll already understand what Brent is talking about. To listeners who are religious, you should also already understand what Brent is talking mm -hmm. about because uh, it's the same engagement you have with your Bible or your Quran or your Torah or your, you know, your, your holy teachings, etc. And to those who are irreligious and not spiritual, I would say it's the same relationship you have to advice, life advice and life teachings that you hold dear and people who represent those values that you want to follow in your life. Uh, mm -hmm. Would you agree with that sort of sum up, Brent? I would. Yeah, I absolutely would. Yeah. So to our general listener, try and try and frame things. If, if you're of a different stripe to, um, you know, to, to, to this particular way of thinking, uh, you can try and uh, configure this to your own lifestyle and your own way of thinking. And I believe the same ideas should still apply. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and one of the main reasons is that none of this is supposed to be a belief system. So like none of it is supposed to replace one belief with another, right. uh, you know, to replace one, you know, set of content with another, um, the, uh, because like the teaching is, is very simple, very practical. And there's no, uh, what's really awesome is that there's no philosophical statement that's being made with it. He's not, um, he's not making an argument or holding a position of any kind. In fact, the book is just filled with, in, in this case, the power of now, as opposed to his other book, a new earth, 
the book is filled with um, statements that are so obvious that they barely are worth saying, but he says them because we need to bring our attention to this level of obviousness in order to attain the state of freedom that he's talking about. So for example, one of those statements would be the fact that there's only ever the present moment. It's only now. Because, you know, a person could make a philosophical, spiritual claim like there's no such thing as time. And I think a lot of us have heard people saying that as a concept. Oh, time is an illusion and all that. And, and you know, and, and maybe an argument can be made in that regard. But what he's saying and what I think we really should look at is how literally any past event that has ever happened, the only reality that it contains now is in the form of a memory that we have in our minds. Like if you look around at actual reality right now, you will not see the past anywhere, nor will you see the future. There is no past and future that can be discovered right now. So like like one part of it is that like if we ever access, say, the future or the past as a fantasy or a memory, we're doing it in the present moment. That's one part. And then the other part is that just the present moment when you really bring your attention right into it. So right into now and just look around, you can see that all there ever is, is just the now. This really nice, vast, still, quiet now moment. So that's important. And so then we might say, okay, well, like what's, why, what is the import of it? So like, why, why would we bother looking at the now moment? Cause like, you know, <laughs> you can't see, I'm, I'm tapping my imaginary watch. It's like, okay, you know, we got shit to do, you know, there's, there's things to get done, you know, priorities and responsibilities, you know, there's no time to access the present moment because I'm on a mission. I'm in the middle of a story and I've got places to go and I've got a future to get into. But the rub is that if there's no actual future that ever actually comes into reality, and yet we make the future into the most important thing, well, we clearly are set up for some form of misery. And so it becomes, at this point, I think, a very important thing to wake up out of. Would you say? Yeah, this isn't an idea that I've engaged with that much myself. Uh, so I, I, I'll have to think about it a little bit. But what what I do often think about is... Um, these sort of negotiations with my future self. And, you know, if you're setting yourself a task to do tomorrow, in a way you're setting that for someone else and you don't know how that person's going to feel when they when they realize that that task is on their agenda. And I feel like, yeah, for different people, this affects different people to different levels, I think. But for me, I, I feel quite variable from one day to the next and from one um, moment in time to the next. So I plan around that and, and have these sort of negotiations with my future self and uh, essentially negotiations with my past self as well um, into how uh, constrained I feel by their wishes, etc. And I think one thing that we've talked about before is, is about the levels of stress uh, associated with that, you know, how how stressed are you by these by this kind of planning for the future and is this a source of anxiety is this a source of freedom etc so yeah i think i think i understand what you're talking about from that perspective mm -hmm. well it's interesting because when we give ourselves something to do when we give a task for our future self to take care of i think one thing to look at is that there really is no such thing as the future self because 
you know, we can say, okay, I'm going to do this tomorrow, but tomorrow always arrives in the form of now. So it's like, say there's something to do that you really don't want to do. Like say it's, you want, you have to like clean your room and you just really don't want to clean your room. And it's like, okay, I'll do it later. I'll do it later. Well, like there, there's no such thing as later because all we really have is like this now moment where we are either allowing or we're either agreeing to or refusing to clean our room. And because we really don't want to, we refuse to. And so we just say not now, like that's, that's the very, very core of when we say, I'm giving this to my future self, or I'm going to do this later. All like at the very, very bottom, it translates to either now or not now. And that's why something that we put off, it has this tendency of just cycling right back into our experience again and again and again. And, and every time it comes in and every time we say no, it comes back with increasing chagrin and increasing irritation until until we arrive at some point where we can't say no anymore because it's just gotten too bad or too late. And now we have to say yes. But in either case, it always just happens within the context of the now. Sure. I think that's difficult as an idea, but I think I understand what you mean. Um, what The interesting thing with the uh, binary of now and not mm-hmm. now is obviously not now is vast, right? It's a vast space of not now. There's a lot of not now. Yeah. But... <laughs> interesting Mm -hmm. so in terms of putting things off for the future the future is essentially i mean it's not infinite but uh procrastination kind of has no deadline in a way Mm -hmm. no arbitrary deadline yeah yeah until until it becomes too late yeah until it becomes overwhelming and you're forced to but obviously that's not Mm -hmm. ideal maybe this is something we'd talk about in a different different time about you know uh, how to plan around uh, procrastination and stuff Mm -hmm. but earlier you were talking about um your story Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm Well, right, right. Because um, the thing is with story is that all almost every single one of us, so like, you know, you, me, and basically anybody that's listening, unless they're enlightened masters, and just and anybody that you run into on, on the street, like everybody carries within them a story about themselves. And the story includes past and future. So it's like, okay, either what I did or what happened in the past. And, and usually it takes the form of what's bad about my past that I'm hoping to have redeemed in the future or something that I failed to do in the past that I'm hoping to do in the future. Or sometimes it can be like my past was really good and my present's not good now and hopefully my future will be good. But no matter what, when at whatever, wherever we find ourselves in our story, we find ourselves in this place of I... Things are not how they should be. Things are not yet where they're supposed to be. There's more to be done about myself. There's more to be fixed about myself. There's more to be fixed about my life. There's more to be gotten. There's more to be achieved. And and all people feel like they're not actually in a place where they're free to live their lives, but they're trying to arrange their lives. They're trying to get to a theoretical point whereupon they can finally feel okay about themselves. Yeah, I mean, that that 100% rings true for me. But are you saying that that's a bad thing? Yes. But I but I do want those things for myself. Right, right. And, and, I mean, to be clear, it's good to have things that you're going for. It's good to have goals that, that you wish to accomplish. And, and, and furthermore, like, there's... 
in all of humanity and every single human being, we're all on our, if you'll forgive me, our skyward spiral. Like we are all like moving towards our own evolution and our own growth as people. The distinction that I want to make is that is when we really think, when we really believe that we will only finally be truly well once we get there, that is, that's like in the basic arithmetic sense, it's a recipe for suffering. To think, I'm not where I should be. Just that sentence by itself, I'm not where I should be, creates unhappiness. And the unhappiness you're talking about is is a kind of anxiety and... Could be, yeah. Worry, could, concern, could, dissatisfaction. Right, right. Like, yeah, it could be like any... and Like even just like a low-level kind of unease or tension or whatever. It could be really intense. Depends on uh, the severity of the story. So the key is... And this is kind of a central message that I want to convey. And I want to see if this jives with you, David. I want to see if, uh, if this is something that we might even agree on, which is that it's better to step outside of the grid work of your personal story. I would like you to explain that a little bit more, unwrap mm. that a little bit. Mm -hmm. Sure, sure, sure. So, so the grid work of the personal story. So what I mean by that is when we look at our lives and and we superimpose upon our lives a set of ideas that we are convinced of that we tell ourselves about how our lives are deficient as they are now and that we and that there's something wrong with where we are and there's somewhere else that we ought to be and and the only ch and the only chance at making it, and in a second, I'd like to define what it actually means to make it, but the only chance of actually making it is if we really get our shit together. And so that's why you'll get people, say, coming to a podcast like this, which it is self-improvement, right? Where it's like, if I can just improve enough and learn enough about how to be productive and how to get my shit done, then I'll be able to pass through that narrow conduit and I'll be able to get to the promised land in, in a sense, like in a manner of speaking, like I'll be able to get there. And then if I can get there, then my life will have made sense and then I can feel proud of it. But until then, until then, I may not relax and I may not feel good about myself. That's what I mean by the grid work of the personal story. I think it's so interesting that you're um, proposing this and we're talking mm -hmm. about this now because obviously you are a productivity coach. Right. I know. So the whole emphasis there is on doing more, more effectively, maximizing right. your productivity, being your best self, etc. But here you're yeah. almost saying drop all of that. Yes, I know. I know. <laughs> and, and, and it's like, so here's the paradox. Here's one of perhaps a lot of upcoming paradoxes. It's, it's that we can only be our most productive when we remove the self-seeking element from the productivity. I'll explain what I mean, but I'm just stopping for for the for the gravity of the statement. <laughs> sure, sure. I I'm I'm mm -hmm. um I mean I don't know how our listeners are finding this, but I'm I'm definitely taking my time to absorb what you're saying and trying trying mm -hmm. to understand it properly. I'm trying to get mm -hmm. my head around it because this is new to me too, really. This uh this way of thinking about it and and exactly what you're talking about here. So so yeah. 
Good. Yeah. Well, yeah. So I'll continue. And then, you know, like uh, to any of the listeners, you know, if, if you're kind of, uh, if you're on the fence about this, like I really, I'm just, just like Eckhart Tolle, just from before, I'm really endeavoring not to say anything particularly outlandish, but to really point to what, what from a certain angle is very common sense truth that we might, we might agree on. So, so just for now, just follow along and I'll see if I can make my case. So, so, um, yeah, so productivity, like, so true productivity is only possible when we can remove this, the redemption arc from it, when we can remove the self-seeking element from it. Because the problem is, is that when we are truly convinced that, that we are, say, I, mean, I keep using different words, but say marred or flawed or behind or, or uh, wrong and in need of some correction, when we view ourselves that way, the there there's a certain need that is created as a result of this belief to get to where we're going and a lot of us credit that sense of need that oh it's like a fire under my ass or just like oh like the sense of nervousness or fear that drives me that's what people talk about when they when they when they talk about this kind of thing it's like i that sort of need develops that propels us there but the problem is that there's when we adopt a need such as that, we have there's a disconnect that's created between the mind, the rational mind, and the animal aspect of what we are, the human body piece. Because what happens is, as the mind, we think, okay, well, okay, so I need to get over there. So what's the quickest and best possible way to, way to get there? What's the most direct route? It's like, okay, well, I need to wake up at 6 a.m. every morning, and I need to drink water and go for a five-mile run. I need to meditate and then read a book, and then I need to do five hours of this and and then go to bed at 11 p.m. and da-da-da-da-da. And it's like, and then we come up with some sort of perfect day that we're supposed to be running every single day that if we did it, it would get us there the quickest. So far, so good. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as uh, just to frame um, mm-hmm. that around my experience and my life, uh, I want to make things. I want to write things mm-hmm. and there's other things I want to do. I want to lose a bit of weight. I want to be healthy, eat healthy I want mm-hmm. to, um, I, I have uh, various other hobbies that I try and maintain um, and uh, duties, etc. And so around, uh, I do have an idea of a perfect day in that sense. And, you know, uh, a morning routine, a kind of writing routine, um, mm-hmm. uh, working on all the other stuff, or all of that, like, uh, and just maxing it out kind of thing, you know, being as effective as possible. Mm-hmm. And uh i will say it is a source of disappointment and sadness to me that i'm never able to live up to i've never been able to execute on that level of productivity and you know that's something i was hoping to work on and try and get there Mm -hmm. i've never been and the thing that frustrates me is that i can there's things i can do that don't seem that hard and i don't seem to do them and i'm not sure why that is Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm Um, yeah, so uh, carry mm. on. Well, yeah, true. Um, tell me if I'm, I, th- I think perhaps you can tell me if I'm using this term correctly of the uh, platonic ideal. It's like, this is a platonic ideal of how I'm supposed to conduct myself and how my day is supposed to go. Is that right? And I mean, philosophically, not 
exactly, but okay. you're using it in an analogous <laughs> okay. way, so I think it's okay. A platonic ideal would be like a um, like the really uh, I don't want to get too into philosophy, but the the idea mm-hmm. of a like an ontological existence of a thing. Let's mm-hmm. say a chair. The chair, mm-hmm. right, has many mm-hmm. different forms in real life, but mm-hmm. there is a platonic idea of a chair that is the original the form from which everything else is derived it is the essence of chairness right right oh yeah well i mean that that's exactly what i want to refer to then because that because you have this idea of how your day is supposed to go like as an ideal that's like yeah the, the i think the only hiccup is because it's 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 my personal yeah i don't think you have a personal platonic ideal really oh i see gotcha but i and it's analogous it's analogous to what you're talking okay about. all right okay i uh we might, okay, we're going to need a new term for that. I'm going to put my name on it. Brentonic ideal. Oh, God, I'm just kidding. No way. What was that? What'd you say? We can say platonic ideal for now. Okay, good stuff. Fair enough. Yeah, anyways, an ideal, nevertheless. So, so there's an idea of like how the day is supposed to go. And and the thing is, is that there's a disconnect between, between the ideal, which is an image that we carry in our minds. And on the level of, of image, on the level of mind, everything is instant. Everything's easy. As soon as you think about it, it's there. It's conjured up. You know, there's no, there's no time involved in any of it. But when, but when it comes to living as a human body, there's drag. And there's this, like, we so quickly gloss over the fact that, like, if you've ever tried training a dog or training a cat, like, to train an animal is a very slow process that's met with a lot of resistance and and especially in those of us in self-improvement circles what we'll do is we'll talk about getting the animal to do what the mind thinks it's supposed to do in order to, to fit into this image like as if it's supposed to be this like really instant thing when it's totally not like to train the animal to like to get up on time or to exercise daily like it it is something that takes a lot of effort and so and and so the point that i'm making like and of course it's still doable it's not not doable it 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 can be done and should be done but when we are caught up in the sense of need to arrive at a future moment and there's a desperation and like a primal urgency, a visceral urgency behind our need to arrive at that future point, now now we become the abusers of the animal. It like in the sense of it's it's like we place all of these this these intense demands, a grid work of demands and ideas on how we're supposed to behave. And if we and if we nail it like 10 out of 10 or like 9 out of 10, like we won't even congratulate ourselves. We'll we'll just be like, well, it should be like that. Whatever. This this is just par for the course. And then if and if we do it like one out of ten, that's when we start speaking very disrespectfully to ourselves and we start guilt tripping ourselves and so forth. And then it cre- then it creates that kind of really unpleasant inner environment that we just live in. That just becomes our day by day, month by month, year by year experience of our lives. No, thank you. I will say I don't completely understand what the problem is, other than it's unhappiness right of some kind yeah well i mean is that not problem enough living in constant unhappiness <laughs> yeah it is a problem <laughs> but in a way oh, you're not gonna like this given the whole thesis <laughs> of this episode but in a way i'd rather be productive than happy mm-hmm, i'd rather mm-hmm. be artistically creative than happy mm-hmm. that's just mm-hmm. a decision i made about my life 
And that's not to the sense that, I mean, um, I've mentioned on this podcast before, I, I have depression, I'm medicated for it now. I don't want to come off my meds to feel worse and mm. be more mm. feel more autistic because of it. I didn't mm. mean that, but I do also mean the unhappiness I feel, or not, unhappiness is the wrong, because I didn't feel unhappy, but the unease I feel at 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 not being creatively fulfilled, I guess I do feel like that's an impetus to create. Mm-hmm. to a degree well fair enough um do you feel creatively fulfilled no if you don't mind my asking such a direct question yeah it, i mean no in the sense that i i my visions for my creative projects are complete visions and i haven't finished it when, when i when i'm able to finish work i will feel creatively fulfilled I, I think i'll never feel creatively fulfilled because there'll always be more to work on okay you know, and so, but I mean, I'll feel happy when I've completed projects and put them out there. But it's so, so, you know, in that case, it's like, it's not really happiness or creative fulfillment because, you know, as we can see, it's possible to have an absence of both. Yes. But I'm not unhappy, Brent. Of course. Of course. Yeah, no, no, it's not a, no, 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 it's not that. That's not the claim the um the claim that i'm making is that is that they're not that they're not um antonyms like they're not like happiness and creative fulfillment are not um mutually exclusive there we go yes i 100% 100% agree with that that that's a very harmful thing to believe and it's just not true mm. so yeah mm. i i agree with that especially important for people with mental health concerns it's not the mm. case that you need to suffer to be artistic Yes, yes, indeed. And, and, and I, I would even go further with this line of thought to say that, that culturally, culturally, and I know this because I've been, I've been just, I've been deeply surveying our culture about this idea. We really think that we can only, that we need unhappiness in order to be creatively fulfilled or we need unhappiness in order to um oh no no here's what it is here's what it is it's that fulfillment will like as soon as we move into fulfillment satisfaction and peace and wellness the sense of like homecoming as soon as we do there our drive will be lost our cultural belief that it is our lack of fulfillment our lack of satisfaction that drives us into achievement this is something we believe. And so the step that I want to take beyond this is that we actually move, we step into greater creative fulfillment when we access satisfaction now, when we, when we step outside of the personal story, stepping outside of the redemption arc. I mean, that's the bit that I would want to know. If you're saying that there is something getting in the way of my creative fulfillment or even mm-hmm. worse, mm-hmm. my creative efficiency... Mm-hmm. that i want to know right cool yeah is that so is that what you're claiming here yes yeah and what is that thing that thing is is being locked inside this sense of story mm-hmm. I, I i i'd love you to i i still can't quite get my head around it so if you can mm-hmm. uh, revisit sure that. Sure, sure, sure. So, so okay. I'll tell you what. I'll I'll uh, I'll boil everything down and kind of see if I can condense it into kind of like a main thing that I'm saying, and that we can kind of uh, parse it out from there. So, what I'm saying is that is that you, me, and everybody, we all we all live in 
we we are identified with a story about ourselves. So it's like, okay, here here I am. I'm Brent. I'm just chilling, you know, standing here and you know doing this episode with you. And and I you standing in addition. Yeah, yeah, I'm really? standing desk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I think okay. I think it's like a <laughs> it's like a life coach trope. <laughs> Completely changed my my vision of you. I assumed you were just sitting there, and yeah, okay, interesting. I'm no, sitting yeah. by the way. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, yeah. So you know, here I am standing at my standing desk, and uh, and so like, and there's this plain reality about like I'm just here. I am right here, just a, a human organism in this room, doing my thing. And then there's also the story of Brent. It's like my past, my history, my preferences, you know, my goals, my achievements, you know, the, the failures I'm hoping to avoid, the successes I want to move into. And so all that's the story. And so, so here's, here's the first major thing that I'm saying is that the story is just a story and it's not to be mistaken for reality. In the sense that just in the plain, plain, obvious sense that you cannot locate your story anywhere. It only exists on the level of information. And what's the danger of treating it as reality? Is that when we start treating it as real and when we start believing that we truly are the character in the story, as opposed to just simply the character, something that we play as in the story, but we just, we really think that the, the character of the story is what we are then we start to feel truly threatened, truly threatened by failure. And we start to re we truly believe that there's some essential element of our deepest wellness that's only that can only be possibly found in a potential future moment that is the success that we're going for. That's our, like, in other words, we see us, we really, really believe that we are essentially incomplete and that the remaining puzzle piece is in our future success and we must get there. Otherwise we won't and we'll die without it and it'll be utterly terrible. Okay. I, I mean, I'm a storyteller, I'm a writer, so I'm trying to understand this uh, as you're talking about story and us being the character in our own story. And it seems to me like what you're saying is that as a character in our own sort of self-authored or self-imagined story, we are waiting for this resolution that never really comes in the sort of final chapter of the book. But day to day, page to page in the book, if you like, we're not at that resolution. And if we view things like that, we're always going to feel unresolved is that is that something like that's it that, yeah that's it okay yeah i i understand that i what what i don't understand or don't appreciate right now is what's so bad about feeling unresolved i mean i can tell you something potentially good about it is that it is potentially an impetus to keep working on something right mm -hmm. um when before you reach the peak of a mountain you know that the peak is there Mm -hmm. and you keep heading towards it yes yes that is there yeah that's an important question however i was as i was saying that i was just thinking of you know the myth of sisyphus he's pushing up a rock up a kind of infinite hill mm -hmm. and letting it roll down again so if there is no peak perhaps it's hard to um rationalize the the effort i don't know mm -hmm. maybe that's maybe that's irrelevant sorry go on 
Yeah, yeah. No, no, I, I think it is. I think it is. It's gonna, yeah. yeah it's gonna get tied in here. Because it's not, I think it's not, ex it's not exactly that it's bad to believe in your own incompleteness and to, and to feel like there's something wrong with you or that there's something about you that needs correcting. But it's that we have the option of living our lives from a place of basic freedom. That's kind of on the other side. And it's and the basic freedom, what that means, what that entails, is that we can live from a state of sensed, felt, experienced completeness. There's nothing wrong with me. All is well. And and the thing and what's giving us trouble in this conversation, and what what often gives this conversation a kind of trouble is that is that we really believe that it's it's that sense of unease or that sense of of sadness or unhappiness that drives us. And so it, it can be interpreted that like, you know, in this message that I'm conveying, it sounds almost like I'm trying to ask you and everybody to not be motivated anymore. Yeah, which is hilarious because you're a productivity coach. Right, right, right. And so what I what I want to say is that you like you and I and all of us, we come out of the factory motivated. Remember, you, you wrote this beautiful piece on r slash get disciplined about babies and the learning process about babies and babies start learning how to crawl and walk and talk with great vigor, great determination, great persistence before they even learn about any of this. They suffer no procrastination issues. Mm. And, and, you know, moving into childhood and into our teenage years, like we were, we're intensely creative people, very creative. We come up with different forms of play and dance and song and literature. I understand what you're saying. And, and something else just clicked with me as well. So you're saying if we can return to that childlike, to that childlike momentum and, and natural ease of, um, of motivation, that would be a good thing. That's exactly so. And the other thing that clicked with me is I, I was thinking about relationships. I was thinking about dating, right? Mm -hmm. If you're super anxious around, uh, I'll talk from a man's perspective, uh, a straight man, right? Uh, mm -hmm. If you're super anxious about meeting women, then it's not going to be good for your interactions with women. Mm -hmm. uh, however, if you kind of drop your, um, you know, if you drop your expectations and, and uh, anxieties about dating, then dating will actually go better for you. Mm -hmm. that's, is that, yes. is that a, a similar analogy? Yes. Yes. That's very much what I'm getting at. Just, yeah. And like, and it happens in a lot of realms. Like I think all of us have had the experience of really trying to go for something, whether it's dating success, financial success, or like corporate or, or whatever it is where we, where like just, you see somebody just like so easily stepping into success. It's like, they don't even need it and they just keep succeeding. Especially, you know, this is particularly so in the dating world where it's like there's like a really, really direct, very direct relationship between need and success. It's like the less you need it, the more you succeed. Yeah, I mean, dating's slightly different in the sense that there's like the quality of not needing it, of that confidence is an attractive quality. Mm -hmm. Whereas in, in creativity, I don't know if you could necessarily say that um, not needing to fulfill certain 
creative desires makes you more creative i don't think you could necessarily say that well well so 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 check this out because it's like as kids just as we mentioned like we come out creative like we come there's not like there's nothing that's ever going to take our our creative motivation and our desire to to move and manifest and achieve and accomplish nothing's going to take that from us ever because it's it's what we're made out of and and i'm going to say something that you might disagree with which is that our potential has a way of manifesting itself now it doesn't happen just on its own because we need to cooperate with it and participate with it but but our potential has its own momentum and its own power and culturally we've come up with this idea that we have to 100% do the potential 100% make it happen and then we take it on ourselves and we come up with grid works of what we're supposed to be doing every day and every week and all of our goals and achievements and milestones and then and then we turn it into this gridlocked thing and then suddenly the juice is gone it starts off fun and suddenly the fun's gone the enjoyment's gone and you don't even necessarily have to believe me i'm not asking you to believe me or anybody but what i'm saying is you you know, you should experiment with this and try it out for yourself and see what you get, because I believe you'll be, ex- you'll be very happy with the results that you get from the following experiment, which is to experiment with trusting that your potential knows how to manifest itself and that it will, it will give you intuitive hits, like you will be guided intuitively to manifest it. And sometimes, sometimes you're guided to do something, to make something, to go for it. And sometimes you're guided to chill and take it down a notch because that spiritual homecoming that I was describing earlier, it's sometimes we need to come home. Sometimes we need to take our foot off the accelerator. Sometimes we need to let our efforts collapse just in the same way that like we can't only just exhale. So when we learn how to surrender to the collapse of effort. Not all the time, right? We're not just becoming lazy. We're not giving up. We're not hanging our hat. We're not, you know, putting our dreams away or anything like that, right? We're just, we're kind of just learning how to come inward, step out of the story. Then we can start developing, cultivating a trust that we, that our potential knows how to manifest itself through us. Just like anything else in nature, just like milk in a cow or apples on an apple tree. So you're almost saying that as you become an adult, as you grow older, as you go through more experiences, etc., mm-hmm. your channels, if you like, are blocked, a little bit blocked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it is possible to just unblock them mentally. By stepping out of the story. Yes. Yeah. I think this is a difficult topic, Brent. <laughs> it's hard mm-hmm. to uh, nail this down in words, I think. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Like, so, so, you know, like to use, to use that example of having a creative block, you have a creative block, right? And and like, even, even the image of a creative block suggests that there's like, um, some sort of like something that's trying to be pushed through a pipe that's too small. And, and, and there's increasing pressure, increasing force being applied. And a lot of our conventional wisdom says, just keep just keep pushing just keep pushing to step outside of the story to step outside of the, and again temporarily not not forever 
temporarily, you know, taking breaks from the story. Just enough to remind you that the story is not the deepest reality of what you are. When you do that, when you really, when you can really fully step away from, from it, then what happens is it's like the solution can reveal itself. Because when, when, we're, when, we're, when we're in that kind of tunnel vision mode of writer's block and force and stalemate and blockage, it's, re- it's, it's so difficult to receive messages. It's so difficult to receive insight or intuitive hits for, hey, maybe, maybe it's just not supposed to go this particular way. Or maybe there's some sort of false idea about the creation process that we've bought and started believing that's preventing this from happening that we need to address. It's only possible when we take that backward step. Can you tell us a bit about how this is manifested in your life and and your work, etc.? Sure. So, in my life, I have I have a certain number of things that I can do to just maintain things exactly as they are. So I have a certain client base that I see, you know, responsibilities around the home, exercise, diet, things that I've committed to. And, uh, you know, people that, you know, friends that I see like kind of weekly and projects such as this one and, and like all of that kind of represents like, like keeping things going as they are. And then I have this other vein of my life where it's, it's, you know, it's moving into expansion, like, you know, growing my business, putting out more content, um, you know, getting people to subscribe to my email list, by the way, uh, which is by the way, totally good idea. And you totally should, you know, and so like all of that's there. And, and so just in my most recent few days like i've i've hit a i've just i've started hitting a block where i just realized it's not fun anymore and and so i like i've started take like as i've already mentioned i've started taking that inward spiritual kind of uh inward movement and something has occurred to me which is that our lives are like there's an element of our lives that's just given to us, right? Like, you know, sometimes we're in circumstances that are beyond our control, but then there's this other part of our lives where we, um, it is what we have created in these, this is where it like, like choices that we've made for ourselves and choices that we continue to make for ourselves. And there's this element of our lives that is exactly as we choose it. And it's exactly what we've created. And if we start feeling trapped by this creation, or even if for a moment the sense of enjoyment or the fun or the juice is gone, then it should come up as a signal that something needs to be readdressed and changed. And so that that's an insight that has occurred to me by making this, this homecoming movement. So that's that's one thing that I've gotten to answer your question. That's one like kind of gem that I've gotten from this homeward movement. And so now, like as I speak to you, I've, um, I've been spending a lot of time as like, I've been devoting all of my free time to just present moment awareness, present moment awareness. I've been really endeavoring to hold this session from present moment awareness, which you know, comes in and out, right? Cause I'm still working on it, but, but it's there. And, and now, and what's cool about this, what's cool. I think this will be the real answer to your question, David, is that as I've been stepping out of the grid work of my story, and as I've been keeping a part of myself grounded in present moment awareness, and as I've been, you know, really doing the minimum that I reasonably can in order to keep my life going. So like, it's been totally inward, inward movement. I'm now starting to notice in myself a renewed enthusiasm for creation. And I don't know, like it's, it's somewhat embryonic. I don't know exactly what form it's going to take, but a lot of projects that I've just kind of left 
just sort of incomplete, you know, that are just there, I can now see myself returning to them. And now, and now I can return to these products with more vigor, but also more clarity because, because there's always this renewed clarity that comes when you leave something, totally turn away from it and come back. There's um, there's a Phoenix metaphor in there somewhere. And so, and so I guess to, you know, to really land the plane, I foresee myself making these, like I have a course that I'm working on for, for productivity and I can see the course coming together much more intelligently. And I can kind of, I can see how I can make it in such a way that it much more intelligently satisfies the, uh, the viewer's needs as opposed to what I think they need. Does that answer the question? Yeah, I think, I, I think I have a broader understanding of this whole episode, I suppose. Um, and I do appreciate the idea of reigniting that fire of enthusiasm. Yes. And that's something I would very much like to do myself. I'd like to speak to that just uh, quickly then, because that's, um, that's a really important idea. Reigniting the passion. Maybe as an experiment, it might be very cool if you were to give yourself as much of a vacation as you possibly can. Now, I totally grant that like you, you're, it's not exactly like you just suddenly pack up and go, but can you totally, totally put down your work, put down your, your story, and with it, your purpose and your mission? Can you put it down and really, really step away from it? Step back from the whole endeavor, from the whole project, and and give yourself a vacation from the project, from the story, to really come home and to really step out of it, and to do it for a satisfying amount of time. And to have it be so satisfying and so fulfilling that you are just so truly ready to pick the reins back up. Because when it comes time to pick the reins back up and get back to work, you won't be the same person as you were before. And, and it's through that, it's through that, that, that coming home that we're able to access our deeper reservoirs of creativity and solve problems that have persisted up until now. Yeah. I mean, I don't disagree with that. In writing, that's very much true. It's advice that I would give to you other writers is to step away from your work uh if you're feeling frustrated or blocked in any way mm-hmm. and give it some time and come back to it when you're feeling fresh and a, mm-hmm. a lot of problems will have unknotted themselves in your subconscious mm-hmm. or just with that kind of you know fresh feeling of, of tackling the manuscript again exactly so yeah and yeah i agree with the idea of vacationing from work um i mean i think it's super important to be able to say now I'm not working, having kind of work-life balance in that sense as well, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, yes, absolutely. Because what a lot of us do, right, is that we'll take breaks or we'll take weekends from our work and we're still like working or we're still on the job or we feel guilty for not working. And that and that kind of like the the effort that goes into in, into having guilt is actually sort of a strange form of of working bereft of productivity. It's just like an exertion of effort without getting anything done. And so, you know, the vacation, the inward movement that I'm talking about is is a movement out of productivity, out of guilt, out of the whole thing, stepping entirely out of it 
for as long as is needed. It's, it's, it's very much like sleep, the function of sleep. Okay, well, I mean, I'm still uh, taking in um, all these ideas, to be honest, uh, and this one central idea, I guess. Um, yes. Did you have any uh, concluding thoughts about anything? I don't think so. Um, maybe maybe what I'll do one more time is I'll just summarize the whole thing. Yeah, to kind of, please you know, do. Yeah, really, really boil it down. Okay, so here we are. So the, the basic message is to remember to discern between ourselves and our stories about ourselves and it's very simple like like the story is the information the story is past and future the story is you know like the ways in which we're wrong bad or incomplete and what's needed somewhere in the future or or in some cases like where we had it in the past and no longer have it now and you know it's our our cross to bear that some stories kind of take on that tone as well and so, and all of that, like there's, I'm not saying to not have a story, but what I am saying is to remember that, that it's just a story and it's not truly the reality of what we are. The reality of what we are is this in this ever present moment that is always now forever and ever. It's just all, it's only now. And when we do that, then we can in addition to stepping outside of the story, we can step out of the the unhappiness that's always created by the story because almost every story is an unhappy one. It's a good way of putting it. So it's like, so, and, and either it's like unhappy, like it's, it'll always be unhappy or it's unhappy with the hope of it being happy one day. But, but, but the main result of living inside of a story is that it's unhappy. And so when we step out of the story and move into inner freedom, true inner freedom, we are free to do everything it is that we want to do. All the creation, production, productivity, self-improvement, all of that, all of that comes right back on the table, but there's no need behind it anymore. There's no heaviness or heavy significance behind it anymore. And then usually it's when we lift that heavy significance that we can we can manifest our potential in the cleanest and most articulated way because we're literally no longer having our processing power being taken up with unha- with the unhappiness anymore. And so that's that's the basically the message there. Okay, well, um let's do our three takeaways. Sure. And I might get you to do all three today I'm yeah gonna fair enough. i was gonna one, offer it yeah i'm still absorbing all of this so um so yeah go ahead Brent. sure sure okay so um so number one um it, once again like it just it cannot be emphasized enough you know so even if of the three takeaways it's you only take away one of the three takeaways it would be discern between yourself and your story clearly see the difference between the two so that's number one uh number two is figure out what it is that you are most waiting for. So in other words, what success, what are you hoping to achieve and why are you hoping to achieve it? What do you think you'll get when you achieve it? And then that thing that you'll get, what's the significance of that and follow that logic all the way to the end, because what that will lead to is, is some kind of like state of wellness that you're waiting for. So become aware of what it is. So number two is just become aware of what it is that you're really doing, the real thing that you're looking for in your personal growth journey. And then number three is see if that thing can and should 
be accessed now, right now. And figure out what risks happening if you were to give that to yourself now, that deep centered wellness. If you can get to the bottom of that, I think that will create a profound effect for yourself and anyone who tries it out. Those are the takeaways. David, what a pleasure it's been. I really oh. enjoyed this. Thank you for getting on this talk with me. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. It's it's a pleasure for me too. I'm 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 thinking to myself, I'm really going to enjoy editing this because <laughs> I'll get to like, you know, linger with the ideas longer and really think about them, really gestate them. Mm-hmm. Um, so absolutely a pleasure for me as well, Brent. I I really enjoy uh, this more um, out there kind of discussion. I want to say to our listeners, if you've kept with us this far, hopefully you are into it. Um, if you, uh, if you weren't following along that well, or if you feel like it was a bit, um, too removed or something, well, you can let us know, uh, and we, we can work on trying to make it more grounded or whatever in the future. If you did enjoy it and you want to see us talk about more sort of spiritual, spiritually related things in the future, we'll be happy to do that as well. So you can tell us about that as well um i think there is a big intersection between these kinds of things uh, spiritual matters and productivity and and um self-improvement and lifestyle so 100%. there's a yeah there's a big crossover and obviously it's something brent's very interested in something i'm interested in too uh although i i'm a bit more of a skeptic i think on some of these things uh, mm-hmm. but i'm still very interested um so let us know your thoughts. Uh, t- tell us if you enjoyed uh, what we talked about today. If you engaged with it, if you, um, if what Brent uh, was talking about today really resonated with you, and how it resonated with you, um, yeah, just let us know. Or your thoughts. was it and utter nonsense? I'd like to hear that too. You can even tell us if it was utter nonsense. Honestly, <laughs> we're, we're we're happy to hear from you in any regard. Uh, mm-hmm. And thanks for sticking with us through through this episode. I, I know it's a bit of a different one too what we normally do so to contact us you can contact us by email uh we're the skyward spiral at gmail.com and on twitter if you want to tweet at us we're at skyward underscore spiral um and if you want to contact me independently uh, i'm at d whitechapel on twitter and where can people find you brent and you you can get me at brent the coach on twitter or uh just email me at hello at brentheroes.com and brenthearest.com is your website. I'm going to plug that's, your website yeah, that's a little correct. bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and join his mailing list if you like what he's talking about. I'm sure you'll get more of these insights. Um, definitely, definitely. I feel like I've got to, uh, yeah, I've got to, I've got to, I've got some homework to do. I've got to try this <laughs> stuff out and um, and see how it fits in with my life. Uh, but that was great, Brent. Really appreciate uh, you talking about that. Thank you, thank you, David. Always a pleasure. Yeah, and I'll report back in a future episode. Um, uh, I'll try and report back about how I've taken what we talked about today into my own life and, and if it worked or didn't or whatever. Yeah. And we'll see how that good. goes. Right on. Okay, great. And thanks for joining us today. And we'll see you next time. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Skyward Spiral. This show was edited by myself, and the musical themes are brought to you by Batchberg Music. Information and resources on today's topic can be found in the episode description. Please rate and review the podcast on your preferred podcast app. It really helps. See you next time.